Hello and welcome to Loving Your Garden Live from my sauna. At least that's how it feels <laughs> on the day of record UK temperatures. And guess where the highest temperature is in the UK, according to the Daily Telegraph anyway? Lincolnshire. Anyway, hello. I'm Rod Whiting, here purely to press the buttons, hopefully in the right order. The real stars of the show are our gardening guru, John Sterling, and our guest this week, our good friend, <laughs> wildlife champion, Mary Porter. Uh, we've got the whole boom team here, haven't we? Uh, here, here in association with our sponsors, Fitzgerald Lane Decorators. You probably saw my pictures up on the site of parasols and umbrellas and boxes, mm. cardboard boxes and curtains, anything I could find to put up in front of and over the top of, of uh, plants and flowers to protect them. Uh, it's been great looking at all your photographs of, of coping with the heat wave. Let's should we should we start off by saying uh, a big welcome to our latest tranche of new members. Oh. Another fifteen hundred or so uh, this past few days. Fantastic, and uh, people from all over the world. And I must say a big thank you to our friends in Australia as well for your good advice. I think they were they were managing to resist the uh, Schadenfreude as we were roasting this morning in forty degrees. They. Uh, uh, they, they've seen it all before, of course. Um, but there were some great tips coming in uh, for staying cool and looking after plants. So thank mm. you very much indeed for that. It's one of the advantages of having friends in in uh, hot places around the world. Anyway, uh, shall, shall we talk about wildlife first of all, and then mm. we can get around to talking about dealing with plant uh, with um, drought uh, affected plants with John uh, and Little Wild. Uh, but Mary, this has been a, a very difficult time for not just us, the humans of the species, but uh, also our wildlife friends as well. Yes, I mean, it's it's horrible to think about it, isn't it? At least we can get away from it with all our modern conveniences. But of course, um, they've got the heat and the lack of water. And you've got the sort of knock on effects of that, because as gardeners, it's quite obvious to us, really, that we can go out and put more water out for the birds, put more water out on the ground for hedgehogs and insects. Don't forget, insects need water. But there are those knock-on things which happen. Like uh, if, the, if the plants are all wilted, what are your caterpillars going to be feeding on? So there are butterflies that have been laying eggs on things like nettles and other plants. If they wilt their whole life cycle has gone up the spout. Um, the caterpillars won't be able to feed on anything at all. They'll die out. So not only will that be bad for the creature itself, whether it's a butterfly, a moth or other little animal, but um, what about the animals that feed on them? And so you've got a knock-on effect for life cycles completely. <laughs> so it's not just the immediate water, it's the effect on the plants, which, of course, are then part of the life cycle. Mm -hmm. And as gardeners, it's, it's difficult for us to, to do anything to help with that, really, apart from watering your plants, which, of course, then leads on to sort of questions about how much water should we be using, really, when it's a precious resource. We, we were walking around the other evening uh, with the dog, you know, walking in the evening to save our hot paws. Uh, I did notice there was only one sprinkler out which you know for somebody that likes to conserve water we were quite pleased people are starting to realize that their lawns do go brown and crispy mm. but they will recover mm. you know and when, when I was little um, everybody had their sort of 1960s 70s sort of typical green lawn and they used to bend heaven and earth you know to make sure it was perfect 
and there were sprinklers all over the place. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there are things like your lawn, like precious plants is it's good to sort of pinpoint accurate as you're doing you know particular plants rather than doing a mass water and yeah. wasting it when i say it's horrible to see a lawn i mean our, our lawn is like cornflakes out there it's, all, it's, <laughs> it's crunch 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 it's just brown Oh, other other brands are available. Weetabix, um, <laughs> you know, like don't it. go through them all, <laughs> man. <laughs> but no, they, it the, will come back. You know, yes, it's so uh, it, it it's being accurate with it and, and yes. being careful with the resource. I yeah, mean, the water had, butts we, are getting yeah. yeah hot now. They're getting low, and the water's getting hot. Yes, in the water butts. yes, absolutely. Well, I, I, I must admit yesterday we found one of the little froglets uh, froglets have been leaving the ponds recently mm. and yesterday one was on the patio just dried out yeah, um, it's, just, it, it's, yeah. it's so sad because they don't turn around and go back and think well we'll have a few more days in the pond their aim now once there is the froglets is to leave and i've mm. been watering the long grass down the side of the the garden just to so they've got somewhere to actually go as well it's you know they they need little things like that need um somewhere nice and damp they can they're usually very good i don't sometimes that i don't like thinking you know going oh, i've got to do that for the animals because animals aren't stupid they will find but a garden is not it's a it's an artificial environment in a way mm. and um we encourage things so if you're encouraging things you've got to make sure that they've got like you've said get everything there mm. um for for what they need so yeah we've been watering just ordinary long grass just to keep it yeah. damp overnight making a little wildlife corridor to get yeah, from exactly. the pond to some shelter yeah, yeah. yeah. and um, interesting yeah. seeing all the little dishes going out um, with pebbles in you know, yes. for, for the insects a lot of people yeah. doing that now thanks to yes. you mary yeah and it, it's it, it's a lovely thing to see and they do drown very easy i've, I've actually rescued a ringlet butterfly out of one of ours uh it had just gone under for the last time. Oh. <laughs> I got my finger in. I was just in the right place at the right time, and I got it out, and it, it staggered off. So um, it, even though it had got a little beach there, it had, it had obviously got a bit carried away and sort of dropped into the water. Sadly, sadly today, we um, we tried to rescue a swift that had oh. hit, um, oh. was on the floor, but um, we couldn't. Usually when they're on the floor, it's because they're ill, or injured or something but uh, but when you the only thing is when you see them close up they are absolutely magnificent creatures you you just have to watch the flat flies because they oh, carry horrible. the flies that they yeah. a swift carries around are yes. incredibly large in fact i was talking to my wildlife friend today and i'm convinced that the um, cocoons and things that they leave in the nest prevent sparrows from ever going near that nest so the swifts have got it for the next year because oh. there's no little sparrow would want one of them on them no so, um, it could be a way of keeping their nests free of um, other birds i was gonna say if you've never seen a flat fly they are there i shouldn't judge because you know but they're they're evil looking beasts <laughs> yeah they are a little bit they're a little bit shorter smaller than the horse flies that we've been seeing yes. today mary and chatting it's, about it's how they go in and out the feathers so you know you can't I see think, them they just disappear yes yeah. it must be the fly that travels the longest distance yes. ever hitching you know with, yeah, yeah hitching a lift and going to a 
Africa. <laughs> um, I, I was going to mention that all the animals that are, are being struggling in the dry soil, things like moles um, who can't get their worms. And mm. I've been watching my vegetable patch and my sweet corn disappeared down a hole. And what it is, I've been watering the vegetable patch and nothing else. So the moles have all made a beeline for the nice <laughs> vegetable patch. So everything's dropping, dropping in. But whether we can um, learn anything, I mean, we we mulch, don't we? We we water, we have shade, uh, we have natural food for birds and other animals. We have meadows mm. and everything, but nothing really prepares you for everything drying up. And all we can do is do the best in the future for our yeah, animals yeah. In, our, in our gardens and our plants, of course. I'm a great believer in quality soil. And our soil in this country has been abused by overgrowing in agriculture. Years ago, we had the small farms, milk went back on the land. There was plenty of organic matter in there. And when it rained, it, it soaked it up. Now. What worries me about this, you mentioned storms, Rod. It's very, very dry. It's Some of the fields are so hard, yeah. and if it does rain, it's just going to run off. It's going to run off. Yeah, and, and this is this is what, you know, it's all about. I, I'm, I'm really, really am keen on farmers getting back. We are now. The, the biodigesters, it's fantastic, the... Um, that the material that's left from them is now actually going back onto the ground. A lot of them have realised that you just can't overcrop land and not mm. put anything back in. Yeah, you can put fertiliser on, but you've got to get that organic matter up. You've got and to I get think, the living the living things it, it back is. in the soil. Yeah, that's yeah, where so. that's yeah. where everything starts, isn't yeah. it, yeah. Mm. Mary? It's in the uh, soil. That's the that's the base, oh, and everything was... comes from that. I would say also that if you are going to be sprinkling on your garden just before a storm now is going to be a good time to do it because you're going to give it like a little primer yes. on the top so that instead of running off your garden soil, it's got somewhere to seep into and so you won't lose that water. So uh, yeah. give it a bit of a water would be quite good. And put a few before holes in with a fork as well. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Don't know if you remember. Oh, it's a sad story from uh, Aggie Moore. She says, I don't know if you remember the story Aww. of my, my sad willow tree. Uh, let's just say it's no longer with us and I'm now looking for a replacement tree. Sorry for your loss, uh, Aggie. It's definitely not the time of the year to replace it at the moment, no, though, is it? No. Yeah, <laughs> autumn will be the best. <laughs> yeah. Somebody did ask, um, you know, is you've got all these people selling plants at a show and somebody says, is it the best time to buy plants? Well, yes, you can buy plants, but I've bought a couple of plants recently for a new border that I'm doing in autumn. And what I've done, I've potted them on. Yeah. And um, and I'll look after them like that. It won't take much w water, really. We'll get new roots out there, and they'll get established. So even if you don't put them in, you know, um, yes, you can get them, but um, you know, just be careful. I couldn't resist it, uh, John. On Sunday, <laughs> I, I invested in a a few of uh, Rob Hardy's. Uh, plants on his stool um yeah. and there's nowhere i was going to plant them over the last couple of days so i've just had them in the pots in a shady area well watered just i'll probably put them yeah in tomorrow. yeah 
yeah. Uh, what's this? I've had a stag. I think this must be Frank. Let me just check. Uh, yes, this is Frank Slater. I've had a staghorn beetle around the garden mm. while I've been giving him water. I didn't realise they live four to six years, Mary. Mm, I know that their their grubs live in the rotten wood for a long yes. time, and um, I think <laughs> he must have some rotten wood nearby. But also. Well done, because they're not that common, and the great, it depends if it's a greater or a lesser one. But even the lesser stag beetles aren't aren't as common as they used to be, and they're handsome beasts. And uh, if you've got any rotten wood, always half bury it. If you're doing a little, you know, um, habitat pile, don't just fling the the logs on the surface. Make sure some are half buried so that they start to rot, and then the the beetle larvae can get in there and start turning it over. But that's splendid. Good tip. Thank you for that. Well, we're talking about little creatures, Rod. Yeah. You know, you were saying about looking out for, you know, after a thunderstorm. Have you ever heard of a thunderworm? No. Have you heard of thunderworms? John would have heard of a thunderworm. I've heard of a thunderworm, yes. If if we are all having this hot weather and it suddenly chucks it down and everything's dripping – Go out the next morning and have a look near the tops of uh, grasses or shrubs, mm-hmm. and they're they're weird looking things. They're like a very thin horse's hair. They're like nematodes that live in the yes. soil. It's a and nematode. They come up and they waggle around in the air and they look quite alien. They just loop, <laughs> loop, loop wow. these thin things. But I'll try and I'll try. I've got a video of one somewhere. I'll try and put it on the Loving a Garden Facebook page uh, when great. I found one once in one of our shrubs. But that's a thunderworm, and that's the thing with a lot of the creatures that need water. They're all waiting now, waiting, yeah. and then they'll suddenly come out. Yes, it's all that soil again in that soil. They're all in the waiting. soil. Yes, they're yeah. in the soil. Yeah, yep. it's a bit gruesome. They are parasites. I can't remember. I think they're parasites or worms. I can't remember. Mm. Mm. Well, we've got uh, Radio Royalty listening in. We've got David Lloyd with us. Oh. David, Founder oh, of Boom Radio. Hello, oh. David. Lovely to lovely to have you with us. <laughs> I hope he's going to do a gardening question. Well. Uh, the, the field is open. If there's a wildlife question, question that David would like, I'm sure you'll be only too pleased to answer it. Uh, well, yeah, thinking about it, we have got the Boom tea, team here, haven't we? So the Boom Radio team. Oh, yes, we so, have, yeah. Um, can I, can well, I put a plea in for bats while, while we're talking about Boom Radio? We're a bit batty, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. oh, we were watching them last night, yeah. You were. Oh, yes. you are lucky. We, we've got a lot less than we used to have. And, um, well, you're over in Norfolk. You get everything more than we get. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's that wash. It's the wash. Bats have (laughs) suffered over the last few decades, really, with people um, making their houses better and putting plastic soffits Mm. around. Because a lot of bats, especially the ordinary pipistrels, they will um, have a nursery colony in a a roof space. Uh, But... When they when when the roofs are sort of improved, then the spaces of they're they're reducing the space, and also the thing with uh, plastic soffits as well, of course, is house martins nests, and that brings me back to thunderstorms because they try they'll try and put a, a nest on a plastic soffit, and when there's heavy rain, it will just fall off because it'll just wash off. Mm. I'm not saying we shouldn't improve our homes, but bats are losing their homes at a great rate 
and so are house martins. So when we're looking at improving our homes, we'll have a little look round to see what you can do to accommodate instead. I've actually, I've been desperate. I want to go on Dragon's Den. I want to find somebody on Dragon's Den who can come <laughs> up with some home improvements architects that actually improve the lot of of bats and house martins and swallows. You can get bricks, special bricks. You can get special tiles to incorporate but so many people use plastic and there must be something useful you know more useful than that mm, yeah bats wood. yeah talking of, talking about bats mary i um i went on a glowworm hunt the other week at uh, pensthorpe um oh fantastic little yeah. lights little yeah. lights in the grass it was wonderful um but we took the bat uh, detectors and the door benton's bats were flying over the water it's mm. fantastic to see them flying just above the water. Oh, again, I wonder some... how this drought is, you know, because if there's less mosquitoes in the water because the, the ponds are drying uh, out, I, there's going to be less for them well, to eat. Well, there's always plenty of water at Pensorp, so yes. I don't think they'll be t yeah. too – but I know what you mean. If, in if, people's if places, Yes, places yeah. dry out, yeah. Uh, can you think of anything we can do to replace all these fruit trees that are now sort of shriveling up mm. for the birds in the – in the autumn because ours are you know you can't plant anything now can you really but what, uh, natural food supplies like pyracantha cataniaster yeah ours are, I mean, ours are shriveling up our apple trees uh, yeah well i was talking to rod earlier about uh, 1976 because we had similar sort of thing but it went on for a lot longer than this mm. weeks in fact and um at brogdale in kent the uh, the apples were actually sizzling on the trees they were they were bubbling because wow. the the sun every day was and the the apples were almost ruined uh, mm. you know the crop that year uh, in loads of places mm. and um you know but again here we've got loads on but i've planted cotoneasters i planted a wayfaring tree we go round and we haven't found a plant that the insects don't use mm. i mean and and there's certain plants that even um the um echinacea i've got an echinacea double and uh, you go out at night and there's beetles crawling over it yeah. you think yeah. it's just m many people think it's just bees but po flies pollinate many many things don't wasps they wasps do oh, yes wasps, wasps. Yeah. I, wasps I mean wasps yeah. love fennel Mm. Oh, if you've got you a fennel like. plant, yes, you'll have yes, wasps. Yes. Oh, it's lovely. And, and my, ivy flowers as well. Yeah, my yeah. favourite. Oh, yes, my favourite. Yeah. My hornet, the hornet is my favourite because, oh, Rod, that beautiful buzz, and they are the least nasty of the vespers. Oh, really? They really are. They, um, I've, I've picked apples on a tree with, with hornets there, and they've never bothered me at all. Oh, goodness. Yeah, I, was... I love hornets. Very they quickly, just look I, terrifying. I was, <laughs> yes, you do. I had to live in a caravan on an RSPB nature reserve in Norfolk years ago, and it was right next to the wood pile, which had a hornet's nest in it. And I used to get dozens of hornets in the caravan every day. It used to scare mm. me silly, but they never stung me. They, no. are, they are benign, unless you put your hand on their nest, of course. Well, exactly. You know. I, if somebody put their hand on my house, I'd, I'd get, yeah. give them a good... <laughs> good <idea. laughs> 
Yes, I'd try anyway. I'd try. (laughs) Hello, good evening. Welcome to Loving Your Garden Live. Uh, This uh, is our weekly get together uh, here on our uh, Facebook group. uh, With we've got our wildlife champion Mary Porter here, uh, answering any questions you like about wildlife. We've got uh, John Sterling, our regular. My regular partner in crime here on the site, <laughs> uh, who is uh, well, he's a gardening guru. That, that's my nickname for him because he's he's got his fifty-year medal with the RHS. He he, he just is a, a walking encyclopedia about gardening. So if you've got oh, any dear. questions at all you want to throw at John, just fire away, and uh, we will do that. Plant death because that's one of the things, isn't it? When we have a really really hot uh, spell like this, uh, some plants can be shocked. Uh, am I right in saying that? Yeah, well, no, yes. I've obviously I mean, made that up. No, 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 you haven't. The th- thing is, we've already, Mary's mentioned it earlier. We, when it gets hot, can go and get out of it. Plants have to live with it. Um, and if you get the wrong, the plant, the plant you want in the wrong place, then it is going to be under stress. And I always tell people to look at where a plant lives naturally honeysuckle people say oh my honeysuckle's covered in mildew honeysuckle is a woodland plant you go into a a a woodland and you'll find that they they're growing in this lovely moist leaf mold climbing up the trees and um that is the sort of area that they love so when you put them in the garden try and put them in that situation rob hardy was telling us about certain plants uh some of the etching there's so many different echinaceas and things like that mm. some like different conditions and others so even in the same species some of the varieties like um you know like different conditions so it really is worth looking study before you just go out and and buy things it's so tempting i know you go to a garden oh i'm having one of those without even knowing exactly what they need even down to bedding plants believe it or not busy lizzies do not like the sun and one of the best plants for for um, color you can put on the north side of a house is busy lizzies now because we don't get too much sun. The uh, non-stop fibrous-rooted begonias, they don't like the sun as well. So try, try and get the plant that suits the situation. And you're 90% there. I think uh, a lot of the garden plants, are, they're exotic species anyway. So if we end up getting droughts, they can actually tolerate it because they're used to it in their yes. home range. Um, yeah. A lot of hours, they're not used to the hot weather and they might no. just shrivel up. Yeah, but uh, I mean, Mary, you look when you look back at native plants, our gardens, it's incredible. The mm-hmm. plant hunters went all over the world bringing these things back. And it's amazing how well they do grow. Mm. You go, you go back to a, you know, a 16th century garden here. Basically, it was you, you know, looking nice around a lawn that was scythed, and a, and a few of the plants, and that was it. That mm. was that. It was the formality of a garden, in a way, more than anything. And wildflowers, of course, because cottagers and people like that couldn't. They didn't have gardens that they just sat in and looked at those plants in that garden had to be useful. Mm. 
And it's so so worthwhile checking to see where a plant has originated, isn't it? Because that answers so many questions when it comes to care and maintenance. It makes it exciting. You walk around the garden with somebody and they come, oh, your garden looks lovely. And you walk around and says, yes, that's from China. That one's from North America. That's actually (laughs) from South Africa, believe it or not. That one's from, you know. Shall we talk about your... Your other role, which you've now taken on, Mary, which is uh, very exciting. You've, you've, oh, um, you've my become, authorship. We're going to come back to the gardening with John in a second. Yes, but, I can um, see a very interesting question about hawk moths at the bottom there. Oh, yes, yes. Well, let, should we deal with that first? And then we'll get yes, on to talk about your so. exciting new role. Uh, yeah, this is from Aggie, Aggie Moore. Hubby photographed a hawk moth the other day, and I have myself actually seen quite a few pictures of hawk moths on the site. Of course, there are, are lots of good sorts year? of hawk moths, but I'm sure that you mean a hummingbird hawk moth because there's been masses of hummingbird hawk moths around this year so i mean i haven't got scientific data but i have seen so many reports that i think it must be a brilliant year for hummingbird hawk moths. yeah i saw one in cumbria so they are they're all over the place my friend had 13 on a valerian the other the other day we've only had one so far that we've spotted but a friend has had three all at once and uh, so i i think it's been an excellent year yeah and they do look like little miniature hummingbirds yeah yeah my my friend who's an entomologist in nottinghamshire it said it's been a fantastic year for butterflies Mm. and all sorts of things as well i'm i'm getting a list of all the butterflies in the garden i think are you doing the butterfly the big butterfly count the butterfly conservation are doing for um, the next I've, fortnight. Oh, is it? Is it? I, yeah. well, yes, I'll go on there yes, and find started. out about it. But yeah. we're having a – oh, it's fantastic year. Um, and your ringlet, I think, came into my garden yesterday. <laughs> Flew <laughs> over the wash. <laughs> <laughs> right, M- Mary, let's just um, quickly talk about your very exciting new role as a children's book author. Well, it's a story that. I came up with – in 2011 and started it and life got in the way and then covid gave me not the actual disease but it gave me lockdown so there were pluses and i think masses of people started their books that they'd always wanted to write during lockdown and i finished mine i had to rewrite it several times um to bring it sort of but it's called The Dragons of Doggerland and it comes out in August and I've always wanted to write a book but now I've got so many ideas in my head it's actually the first of a trilogy of oh I was gonna say trilogy of three but that's obvious (laughs) isn't it (laughs) hopefully (laughs) but if anybody on here has ever written a book before I think they will tell you um writing it was the easy bit uh I am self-publishing it and um that is a lot of things to learn there. But it's oh, it's gone to the printers today, actually. And I'm really excited because Gibraltar Point National Nature Reserve has said they will host my launch for me, which is the 13th oh. and 14th of August. Because do you know Doggerland? How many people know all about Doggerland? Uh, underneath the North Sea? Mm-hmm. I know I know Dogger Bank, yes, Doggerland. Dogger yes. Bank was all that's left of the hills of Doggerland. Yes. And fishermen bought up, you know, remnants of Stone Age people and implements and mammoth bones and all sorts and mm. over the years. And they suddenly realised that the whole area between us and Norway and Denmark and Europe was land. And there was all sorts of things going on. And people were living there for centuries. 
Uh, you could walk from here to Norway if you wanted to. Who was that person yeah, in Sweden? Yeah. We could have walked over and seen Thomas Gustafsson. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. But I yeah. I always uh, I always say to the kids, I've had several children read it for me. They haven't been relations, so um, they, they weren't paid to read it. They read it for me before I published it. And um, they've all said, A, that they love it, uh, but B, um, they want to see more. So, But the other thing was mm-hmm. one of them was so disappointed because – I paid um, an editor to read it for me because I didn't want to come out with nonsense. And she told me that I had too many dragons and people would get them muddled up. So I took out a dragon and rewrote the whole thing. And it was her favourite dragon that I'd taken out. Absolutely (laughs) gutted. (laughs) (laughs) I've actually had to to say to her, don't worry, I'll put her in, in book two. So she's about <laughs> to rewrite book two now with the extra dragon in it. <laughs> it's oh, not a you. long read, so it does it won't it won't, you know <laughs> it won't tire anybody out reading it. <laughs> right, Mary, for to finish off, um thank you for that. Uh thank you. To, to, to finish off, uh, do you want to just give us a couple of quick tips for what we do right now for our wildlife uh, as we go for a fifteen degree shift in temperature overnight? <laughs> I mean, all we can do is keep doing what we're doing in that we keep supplying fresh water at all levels because, and make sure that there are stepping stones or things for little creatures to get out. Don't just leave your you know, on a pedestal or somewhere, have water on the ground as well. Um, one of our um, expert pe- uh, people on the site, Jan, she said uh, you know, she always has hers in the shade because I was saying my water in mine gets very hot. So have some in the shade too. I can't have yep. all my water baths in the shade because of the neighbourhood cats who lurk there. Uh, lots of hiding places. Plan, plan for perhaps planting a little wildflower meadow or wildflowers in September. That's a good time to do it. Plan for putting some natural planting in uh, again in the winter for berry-bearing shrubs and natural flowers and wildlife flowers. Just try and boost the natural habitats the mm. birds can collect their own stuff and live in their own hedges and things trees all right mary thank you very much indeed and okay. uh, good luck with the book and don't forget to let me know all the details so i can put them up on the site yeah. thank you very much all right bless bye. you mary bye bye, bye. <laughs> there she goes and you can hear mary's dulcet tones on uh, sunday breakfast on boom radio uh, between well just after seven o'clock actually in the morning if you're an early riser and uh, not only can you hear Mary, you can also hear John Sterling's dulcet tones, as we now know. Oh. <laughs> uh, from half past nine, he's uh, doing a little spot on gardening. Right, John, thank you very much indeed. As okay, always. Rod, it's been always fabulous. a pleasure. Uh, we'll uh, chat again for Boom on Sunday. And uh, in, in the meantime, enjoy your week. Thank you very much to our sponsors, Fitzgerald Lane Decorators, and that's L A I N G. Uh, Fitzgerald Lang Decorators. You can find them on Facebook and get yourself some free advice as well. Uh, Okay, have a great week, gardeners.